if you were here last week, you know that we, one of the things that we were trying to do is to close the gap between <laughs> when something happens to us and when we pray about it. Uh, specifically, we wanted to keep our words from escaping our mouth. And I will tell you this last week, I did not always do great. So I don't know how you felt like that. I, were you more aware of your words this last week? Heck yes. Boy, I had to, I had to apologize for my word. I, my, my wife's grandfather, his grand, her grandparents had a, a sign on the wall that said, Lord, may, may, may my words be sweet and gracious today, for tomorrow I may have to eat them. I had to do that. So this week, I had to apologize for things. I had to pray for people who bothered me. I hope that we will be doing that. We want to be proactive about our words, and that was what we talked about last week. If you missed that, uh, you can go back and, and listen to the podcast or watch the, the video on that. Uh, in, in the fall, I was with a group of parents uh, who, uh, we were at my son's cross-country practice, and while the kids are running, I'm sitting on the grass talking to other parents. It's a very nice situation. I like it. We, we, were, we were chit-chatting, and during our conversation, uh, one of the things that we talked about, our words were positive, and we were talking about restaurants. We were talking about some of the restaurants that we love. And it was kind of a bad time to talk about restaurants because it was right about dinner time. And one of the lady who was a little farther away said, stop talking about it. I'm dying. I'm so hungry. <laughs> you guys are killing me. But it was pretty fun. It was really easy to talk about it. If you want to get people lively and talking about things, you can ask what their favorite restaurants are. I, I, the conversation really did go easily. I'd like to hear from a couple kids. Kids, what is your favorite restaurant in town? Michael. Denny's, awesome. Nick, in and out. Roberto, you don't count. Is it Devin? Devin, what's yours? Olive Garden. Okay, not my favorite. Not, I, I'm, I'm in the minority, I think. I don't love it. McDonald's, awesome. Yes, Steph? Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken. Okay, yeah. What was it? Beeps, yeah, what a great value for your burger, huh? Carrie Mae, Carrie Mae, what do you have, what did you say? What was it? Red barbecue, woo, I love it. My meat eater, okay, so I love it. Um, so we, I, I'm curious why that restaurant is your favorite. Uh, you love it because they have good service, it's a fun place, right? Maybe they have the best fries, uh, it's a good, good price, all that stuff. It's, it's our, and here's the thing. People don't often get very embarrassed about talking about their favorite restaurants, unless it's Taco Bell. But even then, you're just kind of like, you're like, I love it. What am I going to do? I love it. I can't help it. You know? But like, I, I, you, everybody eats there. There's plenty of them. You just, nobody admits it always that it's their favorite. But we, don't, we, don't, we are not usually very sheepish about talking about our favorite restaurant. Because we're happy to tell people if there's some new place in town, everyone starts talking about this thing. <coughs> But we can sometimes start to feel a little bit sheepish about talking about our faith. When we, when we share about our faith or people find out that we're Christians, somehow we feel like, I'm supposed to be embarrassed about that. I, I, I'm not embarrassed that the, probably the restaurant I go to the most is Del Taco. Uh, I go there probably the most. Um, but we could feel foolish when somebody asks us about our faith. Uh, we feel like somebody's going to ask us a question that we're not going to know the answer to, and I don't want to look dumb. Right? Uh, or... We don't want to be perceived as being a weirdo because sometimes people can be a little weird. We, we have maybe had high sales pressure tactics 
come to us, and we don't want to be like that way, the person who goes door to door or whatever, and we don't want to be weirdos. That is a good thing for you to aspire to, to not be a weirdo. I, I can get behind that. Uh, but here's the thing that we forget. You know what? He, you and I, we're here. We're here, right? That means that somebody talked to us about Jesus. Somebody showed us what faith looked like. And that person, I'm, I can almost guarantee you, that person didn't know everything there is to know about following Jesus. They knew enough to be able to tell you something to get you to grow. And that person wasn't a complete weirdo, probably. And they, they were not weird enough to scare you away. Or at least there was somebody else afterwards who was less weird to make it more okay. Uh, so that person is not a Bible-quoting machine, maybe. And that person was not super bold, but they were able to explain or invite you to faith in some way that you can handle it. So today we are going to look at a story in the Bible that's going to encourage us, help us to be able to share the good news with the people around us in a way that doesn't require us to be anything other than regular people and doesn't require us to be super weirdos. And I think it's going to be really, really good news. That we're going to be looking in 2 Kings 7, not a passage you normally think of for talking about faith or evangelism. If you have a Bible, you can open it with me to 2 Kings chapter 7. And a little bit of background of what's happening. Um, there was a siege happening on a city called Samaria. It was the, the capital of uh, the northern kingdom called Israel. At that point, the original of Israel had split into two, into Israel and Judah. There's a northern kingdom of Israel, and its capital was Samaria. wasn't necessarily always known as the good people in the Bible, but they were still part of God's uh, people, and there were, there were prophets who were there who were speaking to them, specifically the prophet Elisha, who's the guy who came right after Elijah. He was speaking to that area and encouraging them to have faith to trust in God, and there were miracles that God had done, and he was helping them to grow. But there's a siege that's happening. Uh, does, it, does anybody know what a siege is? There's some kid who has studied this. Yeah, tell me, what's a siege? You raise your hand. Is it, yeah. When a kingdom or a city is under attack, exactly. And what happens is a, a, an army oftentimes will surround that city, and what they do is they're trying to cut off access to food and water. Imagine if somebody kind of like locked you in your house and they cut off your water. At some point, your water's going to run out. At some point, your food is going to run out. In my case, it would kind of be good. There's so much canned food that's just there that I never use. You know, it would be like those extra cans of corn or whatever. Kids, I think part of your activity is you are supposed to be at some point coming up to do something here with the food, correct? So there are things you can drop off. I don't know if you're taking anything, but you're dropping off something up here. You may do that. Feel free to do that while I'm, while I'm talking. All right, here's our passage. So... Uh, beginning of verse 3, 2 Kings 7, verse 3. Now, there were four men with leprosy. So they had some kind of a skin condition. It's not actually our modern um, leprosy, a nerve condition, but this is, they have some kind of skin condition, and they have been exiled outside the city. They're not allowed in the city because of their skin condition. And they are at the entrance of the city gate, assuming that that city gate is probably not open. And they, there is a, so there's a siege that's going on. And they said to each other, why should we stay here until we die? If we say, we'll go into the city, well, the famine is in there, and we're going to die. In fact, the, the famine in the city was so bad, it says in the chapter before that, that, that there was no food. 
Did you, did you put a tally mark? I said food. Okay. So there's no food in the city. And so there's no, there's, it's so bad in there. It says that actually that, that the people had, would sell kind of gross things for amazing amounts of money. Uh, that, that it says that a donkey's head, like just like the little bits of that, would sell for a certain amount, like months of food. That they, people, it says people were selling bird dung, bird poop, for like a month of salary or more. Things are bad. How bad does it need to be for you to th- even consider eating bird poop? Okay? Things are bad. In fact, it was so bad that it, there are even reports of cannibalism. That were going on. It was really, really bad in this place. And so these guys, if anything for these lepers, they're on the outside of the city. And if anything, if for anyone, it's worse for them. They, they don't even have their house that they, you know, kept a couple extra things in. Uh, they, they don't have anything left. There's hardly anything left in the city. So they said, what are we going to do? Should we go back in the city? It's bad in there. It's, they're just starving in there. I can't go in there. And that's where we're at. And he, says, he says, and if we stay here, right where we're at, at the gate of the city, we're going to die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Let's go to these Arameans who are, who are besieging this area. They've got it surrounded. He says, if they spare us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. Right? Like, we're going to, there are three options. Die here, die here, maybe live here. Why not go for it? So these four guys, they go, okay. So at dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. Kids, when when is dusk? When is dusk? Dylan, it's kind of light. Which part of the day is it? Beginning of the day or the end of the day? End of the day. Okay, so what comes after dusk? Night. So night is coming. So it's dusk. The sun is going down. They're at the camp of the Arameans. And when they reach the edge of the camp, go ahead and put it right there. Oh, you can give it to me. That's fine. Yeah, put it right there. Put it right there. That's fine. Good job. Um, so at dusk, they went into the camp of the Arameans. And when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of the chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. They're like, they think that he has called reinforcements from some of the other big armies in the area. You you probably remember the name Hittites and Egyptians if you were from your seventh grade history or something. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses, and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was, and they ran for their lives. They just left. Uh, Nowadays, you would see like a string of cell phones and stuff, I think, behind everyone. They just like threw their stuff, and they were running for it. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, and they entered one of the tents, and they ate, and they drank. Boy, how long had it been since they had done that? They ate and they drank. They took silver, gold, and clothes. These people left fast. They left their wallets, okay? And they went off and they hid them. How do you think they hid them? How do you think they hid them? I'm thinking they buried it. It's gonna, I think they're going to say that in a minute. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called.
city gatekeepers and told them, we went to the Aramean camp and nobody was there. Not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys and the, the tents left just like they were. The gatekeepers, they shouted the news. And it was reported within the palace. So you, you can imagine it's, it's just night now, right? The king got up in the night and said to his officers, I'll tell you what the Arameans have done to us. Here's what it is. They know we're starving. So they left the camp to hide in the countryside thinking they're going to surely come out and then we will take them alive and get into the city without a fight. They're tricking us. They're trying to trick us is what's going on. One of his officers answered, why not have some men take five of the horses that are left in the city? Their plight will be like that of the Israelites left here. Yes, they'll only be like all those Israelites who are doomed. We're doomed in here, so they're probably just going to go out there and die, but whatever. Let us send them out to find out what happened. So they selected two chariots with their horses, and the king sent them after the Aramean army. He commanded the drivers, now go and find out what happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan, it's a river, and they found the whole road strewn with clothing and equipment that the Arameans had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the messengers returned and reported to the king. And then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. So the people who had been starving suddenly find out that it's okay. So the king had, you know, very cautiously gone out and found out that it was true. And so he tells everybody, go out there, and they all finally get to eat. And there's actually, a, it's, a, it's a, an answer to a prophecy, actually, that Elisha had said the day before. He's like, by tomorrow, you're going to sell food at a normal price. You're not going to be having to have bird dung. You're not going to have to have a donkey head. You're going to have food, and you're going to be able to do it. And it's, everything's going to sell, and it's going to be, but nobody, and it's going to be amazing. There's going to be abundance but nobody would really believe him. It was crazy. All right, let, let's pray, and then we're going to get it to understand this a little bit better. Lord, thank you for this passage. We think of times in our lives, maybe, maybe we felt a little bit of that panic when the, when the pandemic started. We worried that we wouldn't have food. And we, I think most of us did have food, but we felt that tinge of panic. So we, we tasted a little bit. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to understand this today, that we would be proactive in the way that we engage with our world, sharing good news about who you are. Help us to do that this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we are in a series called Proactive versus Reactive. We're wanting to be people who, who decide ahead of time to do what's right. And we're going to do that in lots of different areas. We've already talked about wanting to be proactive in our spirituality, to be proactive in our words. And we are, have said that, you know, if we are left to our own, a lot of times our reaction isn't always a reflection of the real life that Christ has called us to. So we don't, we don't always want to just rely on what our reaction will be. We want to decide ahead of time. Uh, so today is the first part in a, in a two-part one that we're talking about engaging our world. We want to engage our world around us and be proactive about that. And we're going to do that in two different ways. We're going to talk about engaging the world with the good news, with the message of Jesus. And we're going to talk about engaging our world with acts that demonstrate the kingdom, that show God's life by the things that we do. So we're going to talk about that uh, in the next, these next couple of words. We want to demonstrate that God has this new life. So we're going to do that in our words and in our actions. God's kingdom has come. And we want to purposely live in line with that kingdom. We want to call people to part of that. So today is part one in that, engaging the world with this message. So this city is under siege. Things are bad in Samaria. It's a, 
how much did a roll of toilet paper go for in March 2023? That's, that's what you can think about what it was like for them. So uh, food is scarce, but even worse than that, I would say hope is getting a little scarce. Hope is getting scarce because a lot of other cities have fallen like this. That's how you get into a city is you besiege it. You don't even have to th- throw stuff at it. You don't have to get a bunch of people. You don't have to get hurt. You just wait till they're sad and they all come out and they go, we give up. Right? It's easy. This is an easy way to do it. It just takes some time, and they sit around and play cards and um, Pokemon Go until everybody comes out or whatever. And so it's good. So there are these four lepers, and lepers in society were excluded. They couldn't be a part of worship, and people just didn't want to necessarily touch them. They don't want to catch whatever they've got. So if anything, life is worse for them than it is for people on the inside. All right, we're going to talk about this good news because they end up, Going out just from lack of hope, they just try to throw themselves on the mercy of the Arameans. And they are the first ones who find out that there is amazing news. These four guys, they throw themselves into finding skins of wine and finding food and all water, everything that they needed. And they are living it up. And they, grab, they start kind of doing what any of us maybe would do. Hey, this is great. I want this. And then at some point, One of them says, or some of them together say, what we're doing is not right. Because those people are still hungry too. We were hungry, of course, but they're also hungry. And and maybe we should tell them too. So there are a few things that we're going to think about this good news that they've got. The first one is this good news is news of joy. They have joy. They found it. Can you imagine? There's no way that they could have expected that they would find what they found. They They were expecting to find people with swords who maybe or maybe not would let them live. At least let them pass by. And who knows, even if they pass by, what their life would be like. They don't have a job. And they're not going to be accepted somewhere else. They've got leprosy. They've got skin condition. But they find news that was better than they ever could have expected. These lepers couldn't contain their joy at the abundance that they found. There was more food than any one of them could have eaten. In fact, it's more than anyone in the whole city could have eaten altogether. So we too, you know, we can feel joy at the good news that God has saved us. This news is better news than we could have ever thought. Because what we maybe the least of what we would think is that God maybe is willing to accept us if we work hard enough. That, that hey, you know what? It's bad here, but if I throw myself at God's feet, maybe He'll accept me. But that's not the news that we get. We get this news that God accepts us and He adopts us. That, that's what Jesus tells the story of the 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 son that went away, this prodigal son who had wasted all his money, but he gets welcomed back by the Father with open arms. And that's the kind of reception we get from God. We are adopted as God's children. We're welcomed back more than we ever could have expected or imagined. So this good news of Jesus has transformed our lives like how the lepers' lives have been transformed. And we want other people to experience that kind of joy and abundance. And if we're we're not sharing it, I hope that we have a chance in a moment to say, what we're doing is not good. It's great for me to go to a conference, for example. I loved going to the conference this last weekend, and I felt like it was wonderful for me. I had lots of friends, and they had good food. It was really terrific, and we worshiped and uh, to be with people. But I, I want other people to be able to experience that as well. I want people to experience life in God. 
because it's better even than what I would have thought. When I first took my first steps of faith, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy to go to this youth group. I got invited by somebody from my high school to go to youth group, and I, I wasn't sure what I would find. Uh, and it was different. There, there were things that were really different to me. If you are a new believer, maybe it's, all this stuff is very different to you. But what I ended up finding was even better than what I thought I was going to get. I, I thought that I would, I don't know, maybe get inspired a little or make a couple of friends. But what I found was a God who cared about me. And that changed every moment of my life from then on. It changed the way that I experience uh, hardships. It changed the way that I experience joy. I have God's, God with me. There's this abundance that God has to offer to us. And like these lepers, finding the abundance that was out there. Because our Christian faith, good job, Jeremy. Um, our faith is, our faith is true. Following Jesus is true. God is real. There is a God in the world. And, and our Christian faith is based on events that happened in history, a, a, a person in history, and hundreds of people saw him resurrected. And our faith is based on that. It is true. It's a true thing. So I, I don't want what I say right here to somehow distract from that because what we believe is true. But our faith is also very meaningful. It has meaning for our lives. And I hope that your faith has real meaning for you today in your life. And, and like I said, maybe you're just starting out on that journey. You're not really sure what that's going to be. But maybe you've also been with God for long enough to experience some of the ups and downs of life with God. Kind of the abundance and the lacking. But I, I want us to take a moment to think, what, what does my faith mean in my life? What, what does it mean for me? Difference does faith mean? In a loving God versus a God who's just telling you to serve him, what does that mean for you to be invited into that life? How, how does life with God shape your joys and your sorrows? How does it affect your relationships? And I hope that in that, that there's, some, there's an element of God's joy that can meet us in places, especially in dark places. That, that maybe there's even a, a camaraderie that we have other people who are walking with us in faith. Through our moments of difficulty, we can lean on other people. I, I, I experience some of the joy of my faith in God is actually other people in the church. Sometimes, some of us also, you've experienced some moments of grief from other people in the church too. But there, there is God shapes our joys and sorrows and our relationships. And I, I have been so richly blessed by this change in my whole perspective on the world, I know that that can't help but change somebody else's life too. I want that for other people. And it's interesting, you know, these lepers, not, they didn't like everybody in the town. In fact, a lot of those people had been the ones who kind of kicked them outside town. But even for the people that they didn't like, the people that they hated, they felt like they need to get a little bit of this food too. So even for us, even for the people that we may not like, I know that their life can be changed as well. And we have great e examples in Scripture of people who have had their lives transformed by the gospel. I, Paul was one of them. He was somebody who hated Christians, chased them down. And I've heard stories about terrorists who become followers of Jesus, who are now our brothers and sisters. Uh, there, I've heard, I, know, I have a friend who, uh, when he became a Christian, his friends thought he was playing a cruel joke. 
because he's like suddenly his life was so much different. And they kept waiting for the other shoe to drop because he was not very nice before. And suddenly he was acting like he was a Christian. And they're like, all right, he's just doing something mean to try to do something to us. That's how bad it was before. He is still a follower of Jesus, uh, s- still needs some work. That's all right. Um, <laughs> what if it's me? That might be me, that story. Okay, anyway. All right, so there's joy. There is joy in that story. They also, this message is super urgent. This message is urgent. The lepers didn't wait to share their discovery until the morning or until it was convenient for them. Because they, they could have waited until they were completely full. They went, once they had this tinge of, of conscience, they, they went back to their fellow Israelites, the people back in the city, and they told them about it. They said, this can't wait. Realistically, there was a little bit of like, we're a little afraid if they find out later, right? What does it mean for us to have a little bit of urgency about this? You know, we, sometimes we, we don't always think that today is the day. But maybe we need to have a little more urgency about this. We, don't, we, don't know, we never know. A lot of us have experience. We, know, we don't know when our last day is going to be. We don't know when somebody else's last day is going to be. Maybe we need to have a little more urgency about sharing. We don't want to just have a reactive sharing of the good news. The perfect situation is when somebody comes up to us and says, tell me why you're a Christian. I, I'm interested in this. I would like to, how do I find your church? That is a wonderful thing. That doesn't always happen to them. So that's kind of reactive. Sometimes we think, I can share my faith if somebody else brings it up. And what if that had been the, these four men's position? If they said, you know what, we're going to talk about the abundance of food if people start to see that we're looking pretty good. Like, hey, you guys have put on a little weight. What's different about you? How interesting that you seem like you've had some wine lately. How wonderful. Like, they didn't wait for somebody else to bring it up. They went back and they told the good news. And, and I, would, I think a lot of us, you know, it's wonderful if somebody does ask us a question. But I, I think we can be more proactive about talking about things in a not weird way about what we do. Because it's not weird for me to talk about my restaurants that I love. It, I hope that there's some people here that you don't think it's weird to talk about, okay? Um, maybe some people you say, hey, this, I, you know, I didn't think about this before, but I realized this last week, uh, you know, at, at church we were talking about how much God loves us. And, I, uh, so, and we could talk about how, hey, you know what, I, I realized, you know what, maybe nobody's ever told you this before. This, I don't want it to be weird, but, you know, God does love you. And I, I, I do pray for you about that. I, I hope, but anyway, uh, let's go do this other thing. I don't know, I don't know what, how you can do that. And I know in my small group, we talk about how ways that we can be talking about our faith with our neighbors and with other people. I hope that you have other people in your life who are encouraging you to do that. And I know that's kind of scary. We'll talk about it in just a second. So we need to be proactive. We need to not keep it for ourselves because this is urgent. It's joyous news and it's urgent. We need to do it. And this news has big impact. There's big impact of this news. I've said news a few times. Have you guys put tally marks every time I said news? Okay, good. And then when I say it again, you do one more? Okay. So this leper's decision to share that good news um, has a complete transforming effect on a starving city. There's a city that's starving there, and they get to hear about this. And when we we share the gospel with other people, we never know what kind of impact it's going to have on their life. That, that friend who invited me to church, she never could have known what an impact it would have on my life or whether I would stick with it. But that wasn't her job. Her job was simply to invite me or to tell me. 
she couldn't have known that God was already working in my life. That God was inviting me. That God's spirit was working along with her. It might be the message that somebody is waiting to hear. Sometimes we think that somebody is actually uh, more combative than what they are. We assume somebody is upset about this instead of assuming that maybe they're a bit hungry and they need to know where the food is. Maybe this is the thing that they've been waiting to hear and it's the thing that's going to lead them to transformation and redemption. We can be eager to share about this because we can use our words. We are a part of God's process of of coming to somebody and it has real impact in other people. It's going to have an impact on you You and I, we're going to be humbled because it's all based on what God has provided and not on our merit. these, These four guys, they didn't do this thing, right? God chased the other army away. God's the one who did this thing. They, so all they had to do was tell about what had happened. They're not the ones who made the army go away. God did. And they're just saying what happened. So we are humble. It's not on our merit. It's not about how amazing the messenger is. It's not about how amazing you are. You may feel like you're just kind of like a starving leper, right? But you know where the food is. You say, it's in Jesus. And I don't know everything. I don't know how this happened. I don't know everything about it. All I know is there is food over there. If you want to come with me, I can show you where it is. And remember, they expected when they went out there, just the best thing would be for them just to be ignored. But they found good news. And maybe that has been your experience as well. You, you have found something good. I hope that you have found something good in God. Well, a lot of us enjoy food. We're talking a lot about you know, not having it. We enjoy it. Uh, some of us enjoy it uh, like in a, like really, maybe you're really an Epicurean, like you love and you know things about it. I, when, I, when I think about people who enjoy food, I think about my friend, Lena Leong. Uh, she, she, she passed away. I, hope she, <laughs> I didn't expect that. Um, she passed away recently, and um, uh, I do miss that lady. Um, but she had a very particular way of enjoying food. Uh, she was a caterer and a really good cook. Uh, Terry Felizzi, I don't know if this happens to you too. I don't, I don't see him over Terry over here somewhere. Um, I don't know if this happens to you, Terry. You're also a really great cook. Um, but when we would go out to a restaurant with her, she could identify all of the ingredients and how it was cooked. Like she, she'd go, oh my gosh, I just learned a thing. And she'd go, oh, I'm going to make this next week. <laughs> and she, she could identify every little bit of it. I mean, I, I liked it. I was like, my, mine was like, this is good. This is not good, right? Like I, or, and good is kind of like it's filling me, right? So hence why I am also drawn to Taco Bell. I like the, the bell. Um, so it fills me for a good price. This message brought to you by Taco Bell and Del Taco. Um, so we would go out. She could identify everything, and she, she would learn new methods. And Lena would, um, she, she would say, I never thought about pairing those things together. We could do that, make this sauce in this way. And, and here's what I want to say. All of us have been served an amazing banquet in Jesus, in our faith. We've been served an amazing banquet. And I know that some of us, you, you, you and I, maybe we come and we can say, I just want to enjoy being with God. And, and you, you and I, you, maybe you just you want to sing. Maybe some people are drawn more to learning from God's word. We just want to connect with God, and that's good. And, and you don't need to know how every piece fits together. But others of us, 
are really motivated that way and you're built that way. You go, I, for me to appreciate this faith, I need to know how to turn it inside and out. I need to know every little bit. And, and you can kind of identify how it was made and how it's put together. And you love that stuff. You want to dig into the theology. And not all of, I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. But some of you are made for that. And I want to encourage you to go deeper. To find people who will challenge you, who will ask you weird questions. Uh, who you can invite people to your home to have, you can understand the theological and philosophical underpinnings of an argument. But that's not for everybody. And, and, and I don't want you to think that that's what's required for you to share your faith. But that is for some of us. And I, I hope that you can do that because you, you can probably be better at it than me. We need both of those things. What we are called to do as Christians is actually to savor the deliciousness of the banquet that God has served us. And however you can do that as a follower of Jesus, whatever is the way that God has put you together, I want you to taste that and see and invite other people to enjoy that however you do it. So maybe you can't explain all the intricacies of something, but I hope that you know that that's not everybody's role. You just know where the good food is. You say it's in Jesus. You know where it can be found. So we have different roles and responsibilities. We have different interests, different ways of processing information. And you know what? There is a very diverse world out there, and it probably, there's somebody who needs your way of inviting them. Because everybody's different. And they don't, they don't, there's somebody out there that doesn't need Kurt's way of explaining it to them. They need your way. They need your invitation. Maybe you're quieter. And that person needed a quieter person than the big loudmouth guy up front to do it. Maybe, maybe somebody is, is more argumentative and they needed somebody who can challenge back. Maybe that's you. I would say probably most of us here, you feel a little sheepish about it. But there are ways for us to be able to talk about our faith, to kind of make it a, a normal part of, of our life, like talking about our restaurants and say, hey, you know, at church this last week, I, um, I learned this thing. Or, boy, God's been teaching me this thing. And maybe you are going to end up finding out that that other person actually was, a lot of times that we talk about in small group, we keep finding other Christians who are also kind of scared, okay, uh, or people who are wanting to hear about this. I, I had a, a friend from Tunisia who came to faith uh, when we were in Paris, and uh, she was a real new believer, and I think I've told this story maybe, and I'm going to tell this one again sometime, but she, she had gone back to her family in Tunisia, Muslim family, and we were a little freaked out about her going back to her Muslim family to share and to have her Bible and stuff. And she was really nonchalant about it. She, she had talked about sharing a Bible with, it gave her Bible away to her cousin. But I was like, Hen, this is amazing that you did this thing. I can't believe that you did that. And she's like, you don't need to know everything about Jesus to be able to talk about him. I was like, oh. Like, she just said in passing. I was like, that might have to be my new life motto. You don't need to know everything about Jesus to be able to talk about him. Because that's the people who have shared their faith with me. That's us, together. Like, we share our faith with each other. We, we encourage each other. Kids and adults, you, my, I get challenged by my kids. Did you say no? That wasn't my kid. That was the funny part. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, we're all hungry for intimacy. We want to be known. And God knows us and still welcomes us. That's tasty. We long for real impact. And God says, in me, you, everything you do, nothing is lost that's done for me. Nothing is wasted. That is real impact. We, we sense our inadequacy as parents or as children or as friends. But God says, you are, 
nothing is lost. You can, you can be forgiven even for what you do. God is going to multiply. God even says that he prays along with us. The Holy Spirit is praying with us. You might feel forgotten and unknown, but God knows you. That is tasty for us to know that we can, we can really know and believe that. So I'll bet that these people in Samaria, they felt like God had forgotten them. And maybe one hour before, there's this idea that they had been forgotten. But they, in, a, in a rush, they suddenly knew that they had never been forgotten. There was a moment when they realized what God has done. And Jesus has already died and rose again. The, the events are already done. The camp is empty. And we might still feel forgotten, but we can be invited to understand that in a way that we never would before. And there's a reason that we know that God has not forgotten us. is because on a certain hour, Christ himself was on a cross. And the world even came to darkness. There was an earthquake. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that Christ himself took on him what our own loneliness, our own sins, our own careless words, that he was winning salvation for us. And I know because of what he has done that I know that God has not forgotten me. And I know that, that there, God has never forgotten me in any of my dark places because Christ was willing to go even to that dark place. There's no place in the universe now that does not have God's presence. So kids, is God with you even when you're at school? Yeah, right? You're not alone. And there's other kids at school who feel lonely. And maybe they need you to invite them to come to kids camp or something. They need to know the good news. It's a, it's a feast. Christ has met us in this place where we are. He has taken our shame. He has taken our guilt. And he says, come and walk with me. So that's a feast. That's good news. So the people were starving and they saw no alternative. And, they, and when people are starving and they have no alternative, you know what they're going to do? They're going to fill themselves with whatever they can. They're willing to eat a donkey head or bird poop. And, and that's what happens in our world now. People need to be filled. And they're willing, you know, we scrap at each other. A lot of the fighting in the world is because we're not filled with something else. So we just go at each other. It's a story of politics in our world. It's kind of cannibalism politics. But we have a feast to offer in God. And that's going to transform the way that we live. We don't have to live like we're scrap, going after scraps anymore. And it's satisfying. I hope that we can feel more and more satisfied in God. And can you imagine what it would be like for our community if there were a bunch of very satisfied people, not just going after everything else, but we, we know how much we're loved and thought about by God, that we know that in Christ it's all been forgiven, that we have so much to offer other people that there's this feast. It, it would transform our relationships. I wouldn't be as, as needy in my relationships with other people. I have something to offer. I think it would change our church. I think it would change our city. It would change the world. And that's, that's what's happening. This message is going out to all the world. All right, we're going to continue this series next week. Kids, awesome job. You stuck with it while I was entertaining the adults. That's good. Um, so we're going to continue this series next week. We're going to talk about what does it mean for us to interact with our world by doing good deeds. Uh, so I, I want to invite you, during worship, there are going to be some people off to the sides praying. And I would like for you, I'm, I think we'll have two in the front, and um, I'll maybe stand more in the back. This may be a good moment for you to be able to share your burden with somebody else. Maybe you have a joy that you want to share. Uh, maybe there is a grief that you want to share. 
and, and I want you to lean on other people because other believers can help us to also know that God is thinking about us. And we're going to pray together for that. So we're, we're going to have a, several songs during that time. There's plenty of time for you to come forward. I'd love for you to pray with us. All right, let's pray now. Lord, thank you for this weird passage. But it's a weird because you acted and did something miraculous in it, and it was good news. And I pray that we will see the gospel like we were starving people who received this feast suddenly. So may we see in Jesus the truth that you are the true bread given to us. May we, may we really receive that in a new way today, to know how much you care for us. And, and may that overflow come out of our words that we want to invite other people to that feast as well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thank you, Kurt, for uh, that message. And now as we respond 